Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's the one and only V, the Gorilla Economist, coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News in the morning. We have with us the returning guest, the man who needs their introduction. He is a troublemaker extraordinaire. If you're a corrupt bureaucrat and you run into this guy, you better turn around and run in the other direction. It's the one and only John J. Singleton. He is the main mischief maker when it comes to getting ahead, showing these uh, out-of-control politicians and bureaucrats who's boss, and then teaching you how to do the very same thing. None of that, but also protecting your assets as well as looking for opportunities. He's the brain trust behind aceofcoins.com. Once again, his website is aceofcoins.com. And if you want to schedule a, a talk, a call, a meeting with him, just go to aceofcoins.com. There is a scheduler there. You can click on it, and you can uh, link up, and uh, John will be happy to show you the way and how you can fight back. With that being said, John, it's always a pleasure, you troublemaker. Wow, man, thanks. I appreciate that intro. Hey, no worries, brother, no worries. I will uh, confess to corrupting the youth. <laughs> to, yeah, in, in the good kind of way, showing youth what, you know, what can actually yes. be done when you can hack the system to get ahead in life legally while, while you know, not being addled with, with debt and all these other things. Correct. And like we were talking about before we got started here, we're going to we're going to talk about some opportunities as entrepreneurs. But I want to throw a couple of zingers at y'all. I keep hearing this talk about the collection, use and storage of your biometric data. And I yep. think we're going to get run over if we don't stop and think about what that is. Your biometric data is your physical features. Mostly it could be other things, too, but your physical features that are being collected, like your palm print or your face, your your image, your face that appears on your driver's license. OK. The DMV is collecting this. Google is collecting it. Apple is collecting it. If you like to use uh, the authentication on your phone, like your fingerprint or something, that's being collected. You don't think that that's being used for other purposes. So I want to suggest to you that if you can describe something of that nature, which happens to be property, by the way, your use of that is it's yours. It's your property, right? Mm -hmm. If you can describe it, you can put a lien on it. So imagine putting a lien on the use and collection and storage of your biometric data. That's, that's yeah. revolutionary. Are you working on that right now? Or do yes, you have I've, that? I've done it. It's done. I just, you know, no one's asking me for it. So I, just, I, I want to ask you for it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. I'm going to be the, the first to ask you for it. security instrument. All you do is record it in the Secretary of State. And, right. and so then you notice Google. You put it, just put them on notice. Just expect the fact that they already have your data, right? 
<laughs> all you're going to do is make a claim on it. It's not yeah. theirs. No, correct. It's not theirs. Yeah. It's, it's abandoned property right now. Okay. So if you put a lien on it, now fun things start happening because you can impose royalties and all kinds of nonsense. And then what are these guys going to do when we start doing that? Oh, man. Anyway. Especially as we, uh, as, as uh, the, you know, the Davos crowd is pushing us into this, this fantasy of AI, yes. you know, Ooh, AI, it's alive. Look, look, my friend, AI can be used the other way around too. The sw the sword swings both ways. That you know, it does. You gotta, like I, I know, I know guys who, uh, case in point, there's a gentleman who moved to a corrupt country thinking that he could bribe his way through life, and he doesn't realize the corruption cuts both ways. <laughs> we too can yes. use the corruption. We too can use the same tools and mechanisms that these idiots use against us and use it right back against them. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get into that. Um, and so the other the other zinger I want to throw at you, the second one, last one, is going to be, uh, uh, you've heard of prenuptial agreements. Okay. Yeah. It protects assets and so, and so forth. It does more than what you see in the movies, but there's also post-nuptial agreements. And sometimes this has to do with, again, managing assets, estate planning, but it also may have to do with uh, parents separating or the management or custody of children and things of this nature. But you can also adopt a, a post-nuptial, even prenuptial, but post-nuptial agreement in your marriage that would exclude the state and divest the court of jurisdiction from getting involved in your marriage, your property rights, and the custody of your children. Yeah, wow. Why shouldn't we be doing that? We have the rights to do it, and the court would have no choice but to accept it because there's no discretion on it if you have the agreement written up properly. So you can you can get rid of the state out of your marriage if you want to, and also protect your children from the trafficking, child protective services. Yeah, and all that other craziness that 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 occurs and happens. No, you're right about that, man. Uh, you know, absolutely right. I mean, I I think people do not realize the power they have. You know, I I mean, I have you, and I have one other gentleman who's uh in uh you know he's he's a he's in our Discord as well. Uh, we call him Balage, or we call him Bill for short. People don't understand the power of laws. These laws are something you can wield. And that and that's the whole hope. The whole, the, you know, this is not like, you know, there's some power and, and only they wield it. Their hope is your ignorance. That's right. That's how it works. In the, in the financial sector, their hope is not only your ignorance, but also your fear, right? It's the same thing with the government bureaucrats. It's the, the, their hope is that you're not only ignorant of these laws, but that you also fear wielding it. And what guys like John do, they, they demystify it. They take away this whole, you know, Wizard of Oz thing. They pull back the mm -hmm. curtain on the Wizard of Oz. You not only see him as a frail man, but a, but a naked, stark yes. frail man. Who's yes. physically weak. Yes. You know, and I, that's basically what it is. And that, this is something. And look, John's not somebody who's out here just, just running his mouth. He's got some great ideas. I've sent thousands of my clients to John some of whom were in some serious, serious legal issues, right? And John, when John, and I always say this, when John walks into a courtroom, you could be an attorney from J.P. Morgan, you could be an attorney from Bank of America, you could be an attorney from PNC, you could be some sort of bureaucrat from some sort of government agency. You see this guy's face, you are running out of the back room. They settle fast. This guy has saved so many of my clients' rear end. And there's some of you that are probably in this chat right now that probably have the experience of working with John. You understand what I'm talking about. It's like once John opens up the world, you're like, oh, so I don't have to. 
I don't have to wake up in the morning and crap my bed anymore. No, you don't have to do that. You can actually change your underwear now and start living life. <laughs> That's kind of figurative, but yeah, there have been some cases where uh, what we filed caused all the attorneys to wake up and fill the jury box with ob observers. They wanted to hear how our clients were going to present the case and the judge wanted to hear it. It was, you know, or sometimes we've literally had judges uh, run out of the room. This is no joke. Or yeah. we, we've had, we've been waiting for cases and we're not lawyers. Uh, so people I work with are not, we're not, but we would go in there and uh, they would actually call, the bailiff would call us out. Uh, so to isolate ourselves and our clients from the other people in the courtroom so they wouldn't hear what we were going to do. Or they would call everybody out of the courtroom except us so that there was nobody to hear how we were going to beat the state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But in, in all the cases I've taken that involved administrative process, um, every time uh, my client was accused of something or he was uh, being subject to a fine or something, almost every single time I was able to either get the whole thing stopped or mitigate it to such a manner that it, it didn't even matter to him only by going and reading the statute, the actual regulation and the statute that was being used against my client. And sure enough, they were misapplying it almost every case. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But let's talk about how immediately, we're, you know, we're looking at these trends, we're watching the news, we're going, ah, the whole thing's collapsing, but let's just be calm. Let's just be rational. And how, how can we benefit from this as entrepreneurs? Right. How can we, how That's can we make some money? Thing. One of the things I always say, when, and John, you and I both say the same thing when we're dealing with people, you have two choices, folks. You can either be pitiful or you can be powerful. You can be pitiful, crouching in the corner, think you got no power, no ability. I'm, I'm, I'm shafted. I'm screwed. You know, I might as well head to the, the to the, to the, you know, to the bunker and eat cat food and wait for the SWAT team to come through the door. Or you're gonna say, you know what? The people you have to first and foremost, you have to demystify the elites. These are not the most brilliant people out there. They're not right. They're really not. Your local <laughs> governor, your senator, your congressman, your city council up to your, you know, you know, senators, to your president. These are not smart people. They're not the best of the best, okay? And when the actual veils pull back and you start realizing you don't need to be afraid of these guys, you don't need to be afraid of creditors, you don't need to be afraid of debt collectors, you don't need to be afraid right. of any of this garbage that you live in fear and cower every single day of your life, that this is fake. It's, you know, it, it literally is like the Matrix. It's it fake. Is. It you really know, is. once you realize that 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 you know, and you got you have Morpheus himself right now talking <laughs> to you, sitting here with us, and he's going to tell you that yo, you can take the red pill, or you can take the blue pill. You take the blue right. pill, you stay where you are. You take the red pill, and then John's going to show us how deep the rabbit hole goes. <laughs> well, let's take the red pill because. Yeah. Uh, all right, so, so let's say today I want to make some money and I'm looking around going, okay, this is, looks really crazy. I can't understand these trends or maybe I think I do. Uh, they say I should buy gold. All right, I guess I'll do that because, you know, they tell me. But here's what you can do. And this is a realistic thing. I've done it many times. I've shown many people how to do it to create some cash flow. It could be a lot of cash flow or it could be 200 bucks a month. But that's up to you and the circumstances. But here's what you do. <clears throat> you go to lulu.com. L-U-L-U.com. Now, I'm not promoting anything. I'm just we're, saying. We're, 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 we're talking about Lulu, not Lululemon, the yoga pants manufacturer. 
right? This is, you'll see it's totally separate what, now. I'm going to show clarify you, that. I'm going to show you how to, this. just don't, don't be turned off by this. I'm going to show you how to write a book, publish a book and use it to make way more money than the book is worth. Oh, this is good. Yeah. There it is, lulu.com. Lulu.com is a vanity publisher. Okay, you don't need a literary agent and a publisher, although they're nice to have. But anyways, lulu.com will sell you, and sometimes it's free. They will sell you for $50, and that's the total amount you'd ever have to pay to do what I'm going to tell you right now. Oh, sure. $50 to get an ISBN for a book. And on the Lulu site, if you get a subscription, which is free, it'll help you design the back and front covers It'll affix the UPC code and the ISBN and all these things to your book so that Lulu can place your book on the shelf, physically on the shelf in your local Barnes and Noble store if you want. It can also be on Amazon and 10 or 20 other distribution centers. Okay, you can be your own publisher. Wow. For $50 and a little bit of your time. It might take, let's say it might take a a full-time effort for a month. That's overstating it, but let's just say it does that, right? I'm sure we'd be willing to do that because the payoff is huge. The payoff can be lots of money. So I didn't, I'm not going to gloss over the fact that I just said, hey, write a book. You can put a book together that's 45 pages. You can put a book together with content that's already been published. I'm not saying plagiarize people or violate copyrights, but it can be done. You can put a book together in six days or six weeks. Depends on, you know. You can, I've done it and I've done it. I've made in the very beginning days where it took me, let's say a week to put a book together and I published it for a certain niche market and I published it to get uh, a joint venture deal with somebody, right? This is years, years ago. Um, It's generated 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 in like a quarter in like three months. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in the old days. I mean, that was back when I have to, you know, I couldn't print on demand most Lulu publishes your book uh, on demand. So you don't have inventory. You don't have to buy all your books and sit them in your garage and hope you sell them. Okay. Good God. Jeez. I I know. I remember helping, you know, friends trying to promote their book and I'd have like boxes of books. You know, I I remember when I, when I had, when I was uh, working with my buddy, Brad, Brad Birkenfeld, Mm -hmm. Lucifer's banker. He had, you know, I had copies and boxes of books. And we have to, you know, I, going out there distributing it to this person and that, you know, that organization and this library—it it was a pain, man. But this, is a, this is a game changer. Oh, this is this is this is this will change everything. So the book is not the, the money maker, though. It can be. It's the foundation for it. So let's say I'm going to give you guys an example. Okay, I'm not saying y'all should go do exactly what I'm going to tell you because you'd flood the market with something and you compete with each other. I'm not saying all of you going to do this, anyways. But here's the idea. I'm sure you guys probably understand some basic algebra and you don't have to be an algebra genius. Okay. I was a bad student in school and algebra, uh, algebra two. I have to tell you guys, I failed it in high school. I barely passed. Okay. In college, I made up for that, but I'm just saying I've done this before. So imagine you take a book that's designed to teach algebra with the very basic concepts of let's say algebra one, you don't have to recreate algebra. All you have to do is collect the, procedures for algebra those are not copyrighted it's the book itself that's copyrighted so you put those together and let's say here's what you do your niche market is not the ninth grader it's the fourth grader not it's not just the fourth grader it's the fourth grader's parents because there are some parents out there that would love to have their children to know that they can actually learn algebra 
why some parents want their children to do things like that or fifth grade or sixth grade, whatever. So your niche market, I'm just making this up guys. Your niche market is the parent of the fourth, fifth or sixth grader who would be interested in having his child learn algebra and do it very well without himself or herself, the parents really being experts in algebra. So, yeah. So you you basically have like chat GPT, write up the entire book. All right. You can do that. And then about Uh, algebra and just uh, put it up there. Yeah. Okay. So, so he's right. So you do that, but you could do it that way or the old school way, but whatever. So you put this book together. Let's say the book is going to be 85 pages. That's not hard to do. I can do that one day. I've done it before. So you put this book together. Let's say it takes you three months. So what? So you put this together with this niche market in mind. Then you go to this. Um, here's another website. Udemy.com. U-D-E-M-Y.com. And again, I'm not pr- trying to promote them for anything. I'm just saying that was a yeah. tool that I used. Yeah, right. Udemy. I so remember Udemy. You go to Udemy and you open an account. Now, I don't even know the details of doing this because I've used Udemy for homeschooling. I haven't produced content on Udemy, but you can. So you go to Udemy and you can produce a six-part series in basic algebra that gets your customer who bought your book into the course. Now, it could be a 60-part. Absolutely genius. Okay, so the book then, it, typically the book like that is going to sell for $19.99, right? Or $9.99. Yeah. yeah, we don't care about the money for the book. I'm going to show you how to make a lot of money, and you'll never get the $9.99, and you'll never get the $20. bucks. you are going to give your book away, and you can make a ton of money. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, here's, here's what you're trying to do. You're trying to establish credibility, and you got to have something to sell, some value, okay? So you, your lead generator is the book, and – Udemy is the upsell, let's just say. Mm, okay. That's the that's the basic mechanism. Now there's all kinds of variations on this. I'm just laying out all right, I'm following tracks for you guys to follow. Now, here's the third level and the final one. The third level and parallel with the others or together, whatever. You can go to a, a, a service. It's a um a collection of let's call them marketers or salespeople. They have large sales organizations, many of them. Some of them are just like you and me that maybe we don't have a large sales organization, but we want to sell somebody's product and, and we have a knack for doing that. Or maybe there's a, an organization that brings in 12,000 people to this, this service. Now it's called ClickBank. Okay, Click ClickBank. There are many of ClickBanks out there. I'm just using ClickBank as an example. I just know that works. So ClickBank has got people on there that are professional marketers and they might have a what call, what's called a downline or they might have a sales organization or an affiliate network that they're part of and that they are always looking for another product, right? So if you come in there with a slightly unique product, an information product, and by the way, an information product has infinite inventory. It's just mm. information, right? Yeah, it, right. yeah. I'm not selling cars. That's hard to put that no, together. But, you're not waiting yeah. for a factory to spool up your, your, your widgets. Exactly. So that's another way to make a lot of money for a long period of time is have a product that's infinite, like um, audio recordings, video recordings, entertainment things, educational items, informational. And what I'm telling you is an informational infinite product. Okay. So ClickBank has people on there that are looking for that little niche market. Who cares about algebra? Everybody's got algebra books. Oh, but you got something specifically for parents of fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. That's new. The public schools aren't doing that. So your book is doing that. Well, heck yeah, there you go. So now you got a person that says, I want it. So here's typically what that, how that works. That person on ClickBank is gonna look at your value that you, that you wanna sell. He doesn't care about your Udemy videos. He doesn't need to know about those. He just mm. cares about the book, let's just say. You can work any way you want, but 
here's what you do. You offer them a 50% commission, split the net on the sales of that. Well, with him, boom, he's going to sell thousands of them possibly. He'll, you know, it'll be something like that. Uh, and he's going to make a nice paycheck for himself over the next three months. And then sales will die out. And that's how these guys operate. Um, or you might even want to pay him 100%. I've seen people selling material through ClickBank or these organizations that will pay more than 100% because the backend upsale is so large and so worth it and valuable because there's an upsale, right? And some of these ClickBank uh, marketers understand that you have an upsell and they may contact you and say, hey, I want a piece of the backend, as they call it, a percentage of your ups upsale you know, income. So there's all kinds of things you can do there, right? But you can leverage other people's talents. Like V was saying, we got AI, you know, we got ClickBank with professional marketers. If you guys don't like making sales calls or, or organizing sales, you got people that can do it. They just want the thing that has the value, which you can create. Okay. Now I would suspect if you did this, what I'm telling you, these basic steps at just beginning from what I just told you, if you struggled through and you felt like you were frustrated and you kept on it, by the end of this year, you would start making money and I'll bet you anything that you'll make more than $10,000 if you started today. Hmm. Wow. That's yeah. This is genius, man, because you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, going to, you know, getting a book out with Lulu, but you're offering it for free instead of just selling it. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yep. Right? Depending on the, uh, on the market. Then you have a, 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 an affiliate link with Udemy and then ClickBank to create your affiliate marketing where now you all of a sudden, boom, now you're actually creating income on a product you don't have to spool up in a factory. You ain't got to wait for production numbers. You ain't got to wait on. No, it's readily available and it's infinite. Yeah, that's Brilliant. just one. that We could do that now more, more easily than we could in the past. I mean, that's been available for at least the last 10 years. I'm just saying you probably never heard of that method, you know, of generating money. So that's just that's just one of them. And so if we could, there's there's a few more I wanted to cover. Yeah. Well, all right, John, so, all yours. So Let's trying, go. We're trying to think of things that are within your reach, okay? And so that's my angle here. I'm not trying to say go buy a five million dollar operation. We don't. Yeah. Do Nobody needs to do that. No, not um, not 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 in the age of, the, of where we are right now with with no. how mature and robust the internet is. It's changing commerce. It's changing business in a major way, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they want to they want to make it they whoever's running this, this these trends, okay, causing these things to happen. Uh, they want to make it to where we have to interact with software to get access to any aspect of society. Okay, well, let's kind of go with that a little bit. You know, we can use that to our advantage in the meantime, um, but just be aware of what's going on. But let, we go back to this, this need for uh, producing parts in society. We need hardware. We need appliances. We need things. We need to fix things. We need car parts and this sort of thing. And I believe that those supply chains are being interrupted or overtaken in some way. I, I, I think that at the end day is coming for a lot of that. A lot of yeah. that. So, yeah. Yeah. So the key there is you want to have a facility or access to a facility, which requires a joint venture. You don't need to own the thing, but you can joint venture with someone who's not maximizing the facility. Okay. Like an auto repair shop. All the time. I have a yeah. buddy of mine owns a shop down here and you know, he's working on one of my cars has been for the last 18 months. We're doing a complete race racing build yeah. Yeah. and he's got a massive amount of space. Okay. Yeah, you know, well, space that's available where you know we can go have these on, do a whole 3D printer, we get some machine tools because he's one of the few guys that's still machine. That's a dying oh yeah thing. Right. Machining is a dying thing, yes. man. It's it's unbelievable. Like I sent out 
my engine block to get machined. You know, there, there are very, very few places in the country that will actually machine an engine block, hone a crankshaft, you know, uh, I'm right. sorry, balance a con- uh, crankshaft, you know, hone out the cylinder walls. I, very few, you know, balance out the entire drivetrain. Very few places can do that. Now, you couple that with 3D printing because oftentimes we need to get a part on something. And during the whole scandemic, you know, when something would go uh, because of the whole, you know, supply chain issues, we're waiting around weeks, right. you know, for a part for the car, we could have just 3D printed the damn thing. Right. It's, it's yeah, a game changer. I- and you got the part right there. All you got to do is scan it and then reproduce it or scan it and augment it and reproduce it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so like you said, because of the machine shop, but if he's got lots of space, you don't even need to have a 3d printer. You just need to know who has one for the thing you need to be done, but you can have one on site too. But the thing is hopefully you're around the professionals, the mechanics that are inclined to work with these types of tools, machining, yeah. of course, but 3d printing as well. And that's soft. That's a software job really. Yeah. Then, then it's a matter of getting the filament. So, so the, the the means to make the actual shape and the and the material that won't melt, you know, at 450 degrees and things like that. Sure. So, so that's another thing. And I, you know, some of you may have access to that. Maybe you don't have an interest in it. But I'm just saying that there's out there out there. There are uh, auto repair shops that you can drive by right now that it looks like there's no business there. My my auto my mechanic is swamped all the time. So they like him. I like him. He does a great job. But there are shops out there that don't know how to market themselves or the owners, maybe he's about ready to retire and he doesn't care. And there's a facility out there and he probably doesn't see the value in it. And it, it wouldn't be difficult to go there and, and work out a deal with them. You know, you might have to sign um, like a release agreement, right? Releasing them and indemnifying them of any harm that you may suffer because his insurance may not cover you for being involved on that property. But that's easy. You know, you can handle that. I'm just saying machine shops and making stuff and the materials and the skills that is going forward in the future. We're probably going to need to do that on a local basis, right? Yeah. What kind Absolutely. of options are out there, you know? So yeah. coupled with that is like what I would call a third opportunity here. And, and, and this may sound like a cliche, but look at what we're doing. We're buying products at the store and then we, we remove the product like food, for example, we remove the product. And then we take the packaging material, like the jars and the cans and whatever, and we put it in the trash or recycle bin, whatever, which I don't think they're recycling this stuff. No, no, no. Less than 2% yeah. actually gets recycled. It's the biggest yeah. scam there is. It's okay. so stupid. The whole exactly. so, thing is so stupid. So this is my point. So so here's the craziness. We paid for the packaging. We only think about the contents. We paid for the contents. We also paid for the packaging. I mean, it, in some cases, it costs more for the packaging than the contents. Okay? You guys know this. But we're putting it in a bin. And then we're paying a service to come and get it. We're paying them to take it when we should be keeping it and using it. We should be, we can get equipment V for like two grand. I can get a piece of equipment that can break down glass safely and I can sell it back into the supply chain, but doing nothing else. It's called uh, cull it. It's called cull it. You can make cull it from waste glass and you can make money with it. It just takes a little labor, you know? I mean, so there's that aspect. So, so you've got glass, oh, and recycled or, or or broken. Uh, okay, what a color is basically recycled, broken, or waste glass used in glass making. Yeah, color is broken up glass, and they break it up into little uh, pieces that are not sh- sharp with yeah. a tumbler. Okay, right. So they, and yeah, and they then you can re- you can sell this color. 
Heck yeah, you can sell it back in the supply oh. chain. It gets piped right back into manufacturing. Heck yeah. You just have to find the contracts or this, you know, you're going to be a small Jesus time. Jesus Christ, man. man. yeah. You know how much freaking money's involved? Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially now, since the, uh, the the great event of 2020, how many <laughs> businesses, how many commercial real estates? It's a gold mine. If you'll just look. Oh, my God. I could, I could get a cullet machine for like two grand, five grand. I get to use one. Anyways, so there's glass, okay? There's different types of glass. You can, there's so many markets in glass that you can specialize in brown glass, green glass, flint glass. Okay, you can even combine them. But that's another, uh, then you got the metals, okay? I've seen people melt down aluminum and uh, tin and, and whatever else. I mean, I think even lead, but they're melting down uh, metals into ingots. Oh, wow. I don't know what yes. they're doing with them. Maybe they like this, but you can yeah. sell the ingots. I mean, or you can yeah. store them. You can probably use them as money. I mean, ingots have value. I mean, yeah. zinc, copper, uh, you know, lead, iron, you know, iron ore. Uh, there's a chemical process to separate these metals. Um, like yes. tin cans, there's only 10% tin. But you can, there's, there's zinc in there and aluminum. nickel. Yeah, nickel's in there, right. So you can. You, you need can, that for batteries. Exactly. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things you can do with this. So you got the metals. And now here's the other thing, plastics. The problem with plastics. The others, the glass and metal are a mechanical process. It's for the most part. But with plastics, it's it's a combustible chemical. It's oil, right? Yes. Yeah. So you can shred the plastic, and there's a machine right now, it's a desktop size machine. It looks like a, a printer, an old school printer. You can put shredded, this will shred the plastic and it will produce a filament that you can then use in a 3D printer a minute later. <laughs> We've talked about this before. But you can take pla waste plastic, like okay, like you're saying they're not recycling the plastics or whatever. They're not. They're not recycling right. Jack Diddley, man. Right. But somewhere there's a big mound. They've buried it in the ground, okay, and they put grass over it and some methane tubes in there, right? Look, we we recycled it. We buried it underground. It's like, it's like <laughs> you know, America's deep it's, storage right. gold. It's so deep, we don't even know where it is. <laughs> it, it's just waiting. But imagine all the waste. I mean, think about all the plastic you throw out, right? People just generally throw out of their household per month. If you took that plastic and put it in a chamber or had a neighbor do it, and well, neighbor John, has what one about all the cell phones that are being thrown out, John? Yeah, that I mean, look at all the metals in there and stuff. But I'm just saying, if you took just the high density polyethylene from milk jug, you know, milk jugs and the low density polyethylene, and you put it in a chamber and melt it down, you can actually make fuel out of it. That's it's true. Not hard. You can make diesel out of it. You can make um kerosene. You can make e-fuels out of it, you know. Yes. That, that, that's the next that, that's it's the not next, hard. Yeah. You can yeah. sell the raw materials to companies that are innovating in e-fuel technology because a lot of people think it's going to be, you know, look, I think the Davos crowd is losing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I also go, I think that yeah. the American empire is done away with. And I think we're going to go for a more decentralized multipolar yes. world. If it all works out, hope to God. But the whole point is there's a lot of companies that are innovating in e-fuels. And John, I just saw, I read an amazing write-up on this on Evo Magazine, which is a, a very high-performance automotive uh, magazine out from the UK. It's one of my favorite car magazines in the world. Uh, Evo, EVO, if you get a chance okay. in an airport or bookstore, pick it up. It's amazing. It's a great article this month on e-fuels where they took a Mazda Miata running on 93 octane versus this new e-fuel that's made by this company in the UK. And they're and it's easy to scale up e-fuel e because yeah. the, the infrastructure already exists. Whereas yeah. in electric, the infrastructure is a oh, joke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it always it will be a joke. Everywhere. Right. Yeah. 
So with e-fuels, and here's the thing, my my trepidation with e-fuel, and I have a car, you know, one of my race cars is, uh, it runs on flex fuel, right? And it's either, you, you, I can run 93 octane, it's making 900 horsepower on 93 octane. It makes, that's 900 wheel horsepower, so about 1,000 horsepower at the crank on on pump gas, 93 octane pump gas. But if I put an e-fuel on it, which in this case, it's E85, right? If I put E85 in it, I'm making 1,600 horsepower okay. at that point and 1,000 pound-feet of torque. But even though it's energy dense, the problem with E85 and a lot of these ethanol-based fuels is that you're not getting the mileage. Your mileage is half. So that's why this whole flex fuel vehicles, if you remember the middle aughts, you know, GM was launching flex fuel. Ford was launching flex fuel. E85 was a big thing. But yeah. your Tahoe that was getting 14 miles per gallon on 93 octane is all of a sudden is getting eight or nine now on E85. But with e-fuels, here's what the kicker. There, anything can be made into an e-fuel, especially plastics, yeah. right? You refine plastics and you, and you sell it to an e-fuel company. They're able to create a very clean fuel that gets 10% better fuel economy than 93 octane, right? That's number one. And number two, it burns absolutely clean. And number three, it's more horsepower. So it's a for enthusiasts like me, and if you love cars and you like high horsepower vehicles or motorcycles, this is a godsend. And this is and e fuels is going to be the kill shot that kills electric. Now you'll still be able to buy electric; yeah. it'll be the thing to buy, but it's not going to be the only dominant thing out there. You know, yeah, and this is remarkable. And well, John, like having something to recycle these plastics and yeah. sell it to industries, another big thing. Well, I'm yeah. not, no one's thinking about this kind of stuff, man. Look, look at it like this. Okay, so everybody hates his HOA typically because they're a bunch of psychopaths. Well, if you replace the HOA board members with people that are entrepreneurs or they, they want to use it for – you can use your HOA as a business, and you can then create rules in your organization, in your neighborhood yeah. that does – you can have an infrastructure to collect the plastics from people. And your HOA can be the business that does what you just described. You can make right. this rule. And imagine how much your HOA could make. And what could it do to the neighborhood or what could you do? I mean, heck, you can buy the neighborhood next year's. Yeah, it will fund itself. I mean, every day I have every uh, Wednesday, I have the waste management garbage truck come by and pick up my recycling bin, which I know they ain't ain't going to do nothing with it. You know, it's a joke. I mean, we could, you know, if, if, if my if the HOA in the neighborhoods that I live in, if they had a brain, they would do what you would do. That's instead of collecting fees and 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 yeah. God knows what the hell they do with those fees, you know. Right. right. This is a brilliant. Let an HOA be self-funded. Create yeah. money for the neighborhood. Why are we using our HOAs? Business. You could you could buy laundry detergent for your entire neighborhood at ten percent the retail price yeah. if your neighbors would get together and make a bulk order from the supplier and have it shipped to somebody's garage on a pallet. One hundred. Why are we doing that? Because we're you don't need Costco. Stupid. Because we need we need we need some old freaking you know Karen idiot middle aged moron who who barely knows how to work a phone so she can sit in the HOA and be feel important. Do, do you know that HOAs have statutory lien rights over the entire neighborhood, which allows the HOA to eliminate the state and your property taxes if you use it properly? Correct. Anyways, that's another subject. We can talk about that. Um, but the plastic is. 
correct, man. You're we're right on this, and you guys are starting to see. We get into the production of fuel. So that's the other thing I wanted to mention was the future is producing fuel, but I'm not saying we need like this over unity type technology. We just need off, off the shelf technology that we just modify it to make it better because most of the equipment we're getting like our cars, our engines and our generators, all that's defective. It's deliberately made to be inefficient. You think 30 miles in, 30 miles per gallon is a good number, 42, you think that's good? Well, Toyota just put out a new Prius hitting 80. Uh, it was no, it was Honda put out a hybrid Civic hitting 87 miles per gallon, man. And you know what? I'm gonna, call, I'm gonna call that 87 miles per gallon a total fraud. Yeah. And if that's a fraud, what is your 20 mile per, hour per gallon? You know, we should be getting 2,000 miles per gallon, yeah, theoretically possible, just to make yeah. the, the fuel more energy dense, uh, better atomization. And then sure. uh, with some uh, proper tuning with the, the with, the, with the computer yeah. and, and the technology. This is what Toyota said a long time ago to these Western elite jerk-offs from Davos, the whole European crowd who think they're so smart because they want to you know, sniff methane gas all day. Uh, Toyota says, we have the ability to make a car that could run forever. You never need to replace yeah. it. That's and, if right. you look, and this is the reason why the Toyota Land Cruiser is probably, it, well, not probably, it is the most bulletproof yeah. Car, it's the one car you buy a Land Cruiser, it will last you and outlive you. It's indestructible. The way they even pour the the, the casting for the engine block is yeah. completely different from anybody any other manufacturer. That truck will run forever. It's indestructible. It will survive the apocalypse. And they have and Toyota has the ability to create that in every single car, but they're not, they're prevented because they want everything right. to be a ten year con, uh, uh, right. you know, consumable. Your electric car is a ten-year consumable. Your fridge, your your microwave, right. your your dishwasher, your your central air system—it's disgusting, dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that and along with a Unimog. Unimogs are made by Mercedes. Yes, are Unimogs are absolutely Ooh. bulletproof. The old if your school... neighborhood had a Unimog and like seven of the attachments that go with it, it can do everything. It could be it an can. ambulance. It could be a snowplow. Yep. Yeah. It could do everything. Yeah, you know they don't make stuff like that anymore, man. The old well, school Mercedes Mac still makes it, and they still service it. So yeah, but they nobody do. knows about they it. They do. If you yeah. get, I had a buddy of mine when I was in New York. Get an old one from the eighties. Old Unimog from the eighties. I was like, oh, those man. are still over thirty to forty thousand dollars. V. A nineteen eighty Unimog, thirty thousand dollars yep. used with like a million miles on it. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. We can we can talk about that. But the one thing I want to make them on on the fuel because we can talk about modifying your car engine. Uh, there's a gentleman that does that. I can tell you guys about how to do that. In fact, it's a business if you want to get into it. Okay, there's a way to get into that. It's very cheap. Um, but what I wanted to just to, just to mention is if you wanted to get into the energy type area without spending too much money and gain some experience and expertise possibly and set up relationships with people in your area, you could do what's called net metering consulting and that just involves that would be like calling up your power company or home depot to come out to your house and look around and see what they can sell you some insulation and stuff like that that's kind of what you'd be doing but you would set up deals with contractors where you would have you know referrals and all these types of things or commissions or sell product as an affiliate like for example you come into a house and you recommend some maybe some tinting on the windows or some new insulation or maybe even new windows and a radiant barrier in the attic to be installed, which is only a couple of grand, you know, or new insulation or things of this nature. You can do certain things to your house or even paint on the wall. There's some things you can do to the house that would dramatically reduce the load. And that would be the idea is net metering with net metering. You could probably, if you do it really well, you could reduce most people's electrical load by about 60%. And this guy might make you guys sick. You should be angry 
that you're spending 60% more than you have to, and that you're thinking the solution is to buy solar panels, which is insane because you didn't even reduce the load first. You just put on more production. <laughs> you're producing energy that you don't need, you know, but, but yeah. uh, net metering is a, is a professional service that you can get into very easily. Yeah, that, the, uh, and and for those that don't know, net metering is a billing mechanism that credits solar energy system owners for the electricity they add to the grid. That is that's that's true. Yeah, you don't need a license. Uh, you might need a couple of tools. Like that's why you what you do first, guys, is okay. This is how we think as entrepreneurs. If I'm going to do net metering starting today, I will first call up whoever does net metering and come to my house, and I will observe and I will ask questions and I will ask who manufactures that equipment you're using this, you're pointing at my ceiling to tell the temperature, right? Then I'm going to start learning <laughs> and I'm going to go do it, right? Or I'm going to set up a deal with that person. Maybe I can be the appointment setter. Or, you know, I'm just saying, this is so easy to get into these things. Yeah, no, it, it really is, man. It really is. John, we have covered a gambit of zingers. This was a power packed episode Folks, I hope you have lots of ideas. I hope this has inspired you. I hope this, you know, created some, some, some like a like a storm in your head. And if you have that inkling, if you need some executional ideas, you need the consult, you need the man, you need Morpheus to show you how to navigate the matrix. You need the one and only John J. Singleton. You can get it right here, aceofcoins.com, aceofcoins.com. And John, it's on the bottom of the site where they can book the consultations. Right. You can do that. And uh, we do actually have a call. Um, I have one scheduled for two groups uh, that are we're affiliated with. Sure. Uh, we have a, a, a conference call kind of like this, but it's going to be a Q&A also. And we're going to talk about these types of opportunities. And that's going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern time on March 14th. Nice. And, yeah. So that information I'm probably going to put at the top of base of coins. I don't have it yet, but mm -hmm. I'm going to put it up there. Or, or if it's not there, you can ask and we'll send it to you. But uh, yeah, if you want to get on that one too. And you can subscribe to John's YouTube channel right here, Privacy Fight, right there, as well as joining the Telegram group where he's got a lot of people in there, interactive group, amazing place to learn and to share ideas. And then, uh, and of course, you can book time with the master himself and show you how to hack this thing called bureaucracy. <laughs> John, any other things you want to add or say? Any any final uh, zingers? Well, don't be afraid to do it, guys. The, yeah. the opportunities are there. And do, do work fast as quickly as you can to get started because more than likely you, you won't succeed the first time. So get that out of the way. Just run through it and try to get it done. And and if you succeed the first time, awesome. If not, do it again. Yeah. So, yeah. Remember, folks, you can either be pitiful, <laughs> okay, and, and hide in the corner I can't do nothing, man. They won't do. They won't let me have access to this. I'm scared to touch it, man. I can't. You can be pitiful and find all the reasons why you can't, or you can be powerful and hit the ground running. Because let me tell you, folks, it's never lack of resources that keep you back in the financial predicament that you're in. It's always lack of resourcefulness. It's always lack of resourcefulness. And we have the man here right now who knows so – I mean, just within the last 40-some-odd minutes, just the ideas. Like, my, my, my head is exploding. I'm like, oh, my God, that's a brilliant idea. Oh, my God, I need to do this. Oh, my God. I've been wanting to write a book. Hell, I'm going to go execute that, man. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, it's right there. Just yeah, it's amazing. There's so many things that that we need to share. And John, we need to do another strategic life seminar coming up soon. Yeah, there's some really good things that uh, yeah, they're right easy to within reach. And and I didn't even touch on them today. I mean, we only have so much time. Exactly. John and I will definitely be doing a strategic life seminar in the future. Uh, make sure you stay uh, locked and loaded, uh, especially with uh, with uh, aceofcoins.com, because over there we'll 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 show you how, especially on the banking side of things, the the, the business side of things, the back end, how to really hack it, especially with you know facing down fears of people like oh my god, I, uh, I got debt collectors after me, and John and I just just laugh, we just laugh, <laughs> just. Take really? the letter, throw it yeah. into the fireplace. I remember right. the first time when I was working with John. I'm like, John, I got these people, man. I don't know what the hell to do. And John's like, so? I'm like, what do you mean? And this is the thing that gets me. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, he's so nonchalant about it. He's like, so? I'm like, what? Aren't you scared? Aren't you pop? Are you, aren't you like concerned? He goes, no. He's like, V, what is it? Uh, it's it's a letter, man. It's from a court. It says, uh, it's a debt collector. It says, I owe them, you know, the uh, $5,000, right? And, 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 and he just said, V, look at it. What is it? It's just letters on a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as he told that to me, he took the power of that letter away. And I'm like thinking to myself, holy shit, why am I scared? <laughs> <laughs> it's just letters on a piece of paper. It's like being scared of thunder. Yeah, I know. Seriously. <laughs> and that's what the powers that be do. They hope on your ignorance they hope in the fear that they have over you that's what it comes down to john any other last things you want to say i mean you said it all thank you it's awesome awesome <laughs> folks aceofcoins.com aceofcoins.com the master mischief maker himself john j singleton is there and with that being said we are over and out thank you all for listening in cheers <laughs>